Uh, if you've got them with you, turn to Psalm 113 right there, just about in the middle of your Bible. And you'll find a book of Psalm and look for chapter number 113 and we'll see what we can dig up tonight in the treasure that is the Word of God. I'm glad I have the Word of God tonight, aren't you? Uh, I just, there's nothing like it. Y'all look at me funny when I do it, but I like to take it and I like to hug it. I like to give it a little smooch every now and again. You think I'm crazy, but you know what? On this earth, this is like, I mean, this, this Word right here is Jesus. Y'all know that? You got him with you everywhere you go. I tell you what, this Bible ought to be precious to us tonight. And uh, sometimes I just like to take it and I hug on it and I kiss it a little bit. And y'all, let me be crazy. Just don't bother me, okay? But uh, I love it. I love it. These are the very words of God. And if you don't believe me, if you think I'm crazy about that, just go to John chapter 1 and that's all you'll need to do. Uh, the Bible tells us that, uh, that the Word... Y'all know God gave... His Bible, the same name as He gave His Son. What is it? The Word. And I tell you what, this Word is what we're going to be judged by one of these days. This Word is, uh, I mean, if it wasn't for this Word, we wouldn't even know how to be saved tonight. If it wasn't for this Word, if God hadn't gave us His Word, and I mean, I, that, just that part, just go home and stew on it for a while. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Man, boy, we are a fortunate people. You know what? We are a fortunate people that God uh, has, has looked upon us and thought about us the way that He has. We don't deserve it. We, don't, we didn't earn it. But boy, He does love us. i got to get in this message tonight or else y'all won't get three messages. I'm sorry. Uh, Psalm 113, when you find your place, let's stand all over the house in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to read this whole chapter. It's only eight, nine verses. Um, the Bible says here, Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high, who humbleth Himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. I talked about that some this morning because we talked about how Jesus got tired after, after the long hard day that he experienced. He got in that boat. He laid his head down on a pillow and he was so far out asleep that that big old storm didn't even wake him up. He was tired. And I talked a little bit about that. Just think about that in verse number 6. Who humbleth himself. Hey, God the magnificent Creator humbled Himself to come dwell among us. Mm. Boy, what a blessing. What a blessing. He says, "...to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust." Uh, that's us. Yeah. "...and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, that He may set him with princes." <laughs> Oh, I like this chapter, don't y'all? I love this. Even with the princes of his people, he maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Let's pray tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. 
God, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word tonight, and I pray that you would help us. Thank you for the singing. Thank you for the special singing, Father. I thank you for the folks that are here tonight, God, and I pray that you would help us for a little while as we look into your perfect word, and Father, learn from it. I pray that you would give us ears to hear your word. Father, give us feet to put your word into action tonight. Father, help us as only you can, Father. We love you. Thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And amen, thank you for standing. You can be seated. Now, we are currently studying our faith in God. That's what we're doing on Sunday nights, and we've been here for several weeks now. Uh, we started by giving a foundation of the faith. Jude verse number 3 tells us as Christians to earnestly contend for the faith. Now, that's a very... Include that's that's a very well. Let me put it. That is a very exclusive thing. It is the faith. And I mentioned when we started out that people put their faith in all sorts of things. Uh, they put their you you put your faith tonight in that seat when you sat down in it. You had faith that that chair or that pew was not going to uh, break. I remember I was at a church one night. I did that and it broke on me. It was down at Northwood. And you know what I did? It, the church was packed. I didn't have nowhere to go. You know what I did? I took my hands and I, I uh, it was miserable. I tried to get as much of my weight off of that pew as I could because I didn't want to be sitting in the floor and cause that ruckus in the middle of the preaching. And uh, But anyways, let me just say, you can put your faith in a lot of things. When you go get in that car tonight, you're going to put faith in it because it's going to crank up and it's going to carry you home. Or so you hope, Right. And uh, so people put faith in all sorts of things. People put faith, uh, you know, it, it blows my mind. People will carve out little little images of gods and, and they will put their faith in that and it can't do anything for them. The prophets of Baal put their faith in an unknown God that couldn't do anything. As a matter of fact, Elijah there on the mount, uh, he, uh, he uh, taunted them a little bit and mocked them. He said, hey, hey, maybe you ought to just scream a little bit louder. Your God, He may be away he, and he may, not, he may be hard of hearing uh, or He may be preoccupied. Well, here's the thing. A dead God ain't worth anything to nobody. And so I'm glad that we can have faith. And we're talking about the faith. What is the faith of Jude 3? So we started by looking at the significance of the faith. And we went through several messages there. And then we moved into our faith in God's Word. And we looked at how we receive the, the Bible that we hold in our hands. Why can we trust it? Why do we trust it over any other word that has been written? And and so we had several messages around that, three or four, I believe. And then last week, we started looking at our faith in God. And we've already seen that we can have faith in God's Word. Now we are building the case that we can have faith in God. Why do we have faith in God's Word? Because it came from Him. Yeah, right. Amen. And so if we can have faith in God's Word, we can have faith in God. If we didn't have faith in God, we wouldn't have faith in His Word. 
And so we looked at part one last Sunday night of our faith in God on the thought of we worship a powerful God. His power is seen in His awesome creation. His power is seen in His authority. And His power is seen in His ability. And when we think about His ability, we uh, think about the fact that He is able to do anything. He knows everything. And He is everywhere, all places at the same time. There is none other like Him. And so tonight, I want to move on to the next subject and say we not only worship a powerful God, but we worship a perfect God. You can have faith in God tonight because He is perfect. In Psalm chapter 18, verse 30, the Bible says, As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in Him. This verse in Psalm 18 tells us that His way is perfect. His word is perfect. His work is perfect. Perfect. Everything about him and what he does is perfect. And because of that, we can have faith in him. It says in that verse, Psalm, 100, uh, Psalm 18, verse 30, that the word of the Lord is tried. Adam Clark wrote this. He said, literally tried in the fire. It has stood all tests and has never failed those who pleaded it before its author. I preached this morning on how we can, uh, how we can get through the, uh, the four anchors that God gives us in Mark chapter four in that storm there and how we can get through life without without drowning from the waves of life. And one of those anchors is that we have a promise in the past. We see time after time after time, this verse in Psalm 18 verse 30 has been proven true. Uh, we see it with Elijah. We see it with Daniel. We see it with the disciples. We see it with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see it all throughout the Bible. And no doubt, even in your own life tonight, you you know you can trust in God because He has taken care of you through life. I like what Adam Clark said there. He said it has never failed those who pleaded it before its author. You can put your trust in God tonight. God's Word is proven. David could say this from personal experience. Many do not know this from their own experience. Y'all listen to me here. Because they will never allow themselves to be put in a situation where God must prove His Word true. Y'all ever thought about that? If you never have trouble in your life, if you never get to the point where... I mean, you know, what is the point of faith? Faith is like, uh, faith a lot of times in life is like uh, driving down a, a road or a winding road in a car at night. You can only see a hundred foot in front of you with them headlights on high. And you can't see around that curve, but guess what? God knows what is around that curve. God knows where you're going. What's our job? Well, our job is to trust and obey Him. When He says go, we are to go. We can trust Him because He has never steered us wrong before. And some people though, they are so stuck on maintaining the wheel on that car that they never, ever give God a chance to guide them in their lives. 
Well, what does the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us that we are not to lean on our own understanding. Right? In all our ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. Some of us need to get to the place where we just let go of what we... And stop trying. I'm telling you what, it is hard to try to navigate through life by yourself. I'm glad I don't have to. I'm glad I can trust in God tonight. I'm glad that He will never fail me. He will never uh, do me wrong because He has proven Himself to me. Hey, I spent a lot of years driving my own car and it's been so much better since I let the Lord take over. It really has. David knew the truth that God uh, was had proven uh, through his personal experience. And, and let me give you tonight, let me give you tonight some ways in which God demonstrates his perfection. I told you last week that this would be a three or four week study about the attributes of God technically is what it is. And so tonight we're talking about how he is perfect. So let me give you a few ways and tell you what the Bible says about God. I want you to notice he is perfect in his oneness. He is perfect in his oneness. Atheism tells us that there is no God. Agnosticism tells us that we cannot know whether there is a God or not. Polytheism tells us that there are many gods. As a matter of fact, you talk about complicating. I believe, I, I can't remember if it was... Yeah, I believe it was Hinduism. Hinduism is polytheistic. And I believe there was somewhere around, I can't remember how many hundreds of thousands of gods they have in that religion. That's more than I can remember, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I, I don't quote me on this. I can't remember it exactly. I think it was like 235,000 gods. They have a god for everything. I'm glad I got one. <coughs> I got one that takes care of everything. Could you imagine having a God to when you went to in the storms and trials of your life, He looked at you and said, uh, I'm sorry, that's not my department. You're going to need to talk this guy over here. Look, y'all, I get that when I go to Lowe's Hardware and Walmart. I'm glad tonight that when I get on my knees and I pray to my almighty God in heaven, I don't get garbage like that. He can take care of all my needs. Why? Because He is the Creator and the Almighty Creator of this universe. He made me from the dust of the uh, dust of the earth, and He knows my frame. He knows what I am. He knows what I'm going through, and He will help me. I'm glad He's a personal God. That's not even about Him being personal. That's another message. He's perfect. He's perfect in His oneness. I, where did I go to? Oh, polytheism. I said there are many gods. Here's another one, pantheism. Uh, if you remember, it sounds kind of funny, I'm pantheism. Here's what that means. If you was here the last, uh, yeah, if you were here last Wednesday and the Wednesday before, you'll know this because the Christian scientists, they believe this and so do the spiritists. Uh, here's what pantheism says says God is in everything, and so everything is part of God. They literally believe God is all and in all. Nature is God. You look at the sun, you're looking at God. Well, I hate to burst anybody's bubbles. That's not what the Word of God says. God's, def God's Word definitely teaches us that there's a separation there. And He even tells us not to worship creation. 
That sun out there is not to be worshipped. That sun's a beautiful thing. Don't ever look at it without really dark sunglasses on though, okay? But listen, that sun is a beautiful thing. Our world is a beautiful thing. Those mountains out there, those clouds, I was looking at those clouds coming in tonight. I was talking about how beautiful they were. Hey, they're beautiful, but they are not to be worshipped because they are not God. And so pantheism tells us though that God is everything and He's in everything. But listen to me tonight. Let me tell you what God's Word says about that. Here's what God's word says. Isaiah 44, 8 says, Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Isaiah 45, 6 says, There is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. Isaiah 46, 9 says, I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Just in case we didn't get it the first time, He told us over and over and over again that He is, he is the one and only. There's one God, and aren't you glad tonight that we can know Him? Hey, this doctrine is explained clearly in His Word, and it's experienced by all those who share a personal relationship with Him. Hey, I'm telling you what, we've got all these religions in this world, and all of the cults that we see. I'm telling you what, if you're, uh, let me just throw it like this, all right? If you were a Mormon tonight, you go try to, You go try to talk to the head Mormon. Let's say you're a Roman Catholic tonight. Go to to Rome and see if you can't sit down and talk with the Pope. You ain't going to. Let's say you're Jehovah's Witness. Can you just walk into the office of the main guy there? I mean, it, it works all throughout different things in our, in our society, in religions. But I'm telling you what tonight, Christianity is different. You know why? Christianity is not built on a religion. It's built on a relationship. It's built on a personal relationship. Hey, I can enter into the throne of grace at any time that I want to. And not only can I just enter into the throne of grace, I can enter boldly, the Bible tells me. I don't have to hold nothing back. I can go in there and I can spill my mind to God. Hey, you think about it. God already knows what's on your mind anyways. So you might as well just talk to Him. There's one God and we can know Him. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. 1 Corinthians 8, 5 and 6 says, For though there be... For though there be that are called gods, little g, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we in Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things, and we by Him. I'm here to tell you tonight, He is perfect in His oneness. But not only is He perfect in His oneness, He is perfect in His holiness. Amen. We worship a holy God. He is perfect in that holiness. Emory Bancroft, the author of a book called Elemental Theology, says this, God's holiness is His most exalted and emphasized attribute, expressing the majesty of His moral nature and character. You know why God can judge? That right there. He's perfect. He's never done anything wrong. He wrote the rule book on what's right and what's wrong. And He's holy. He is perfect in all of His ways. I hear a lot of people say, you, you know, you, you can talk to them and they'll look at you and say something like, well, only God can judge me. 
I'm like, you know what? You're exactly right. That should terrify you. Because God is holy. God is righteous. God is perfect. God is just. Everything he does is perfect. Well, preacher, I don't understand everything he does. I don't either. As a matter of fact, he tells us in his word, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You know why? Because he ain't, he ain't human. He made us. I like to think sometimes kind of like a Lego set. I love Legos. Don't y'all love Legos? The only time I don't like Legos is when my little girl leaves them in the middle of the floor and I walk on one about four o'clock in the morning. I would burn all of the Legos if I did what I wanted to do then. But I like Legos. Now you think about Legos. What does Legos do? You get them out of a bag. You know what you are at that point in time? You are the creator. You put them together. You tell them where to go. You tell them which direction to go in. Think about that for a little bit. Yeah. You got, you got a, 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 well, you got over here, you got a book. And that book has been written in and it's telling you, I'm just saying, y'all see the, the likeness here. I still can't, I mean, my, my thoughts ain't, but here's the thing. That little piece of a block ain't the one doing the thinking. Who's doing the thinking? The creator is doing the thinking. That block's just doing what the creator is telling it to do. Right? It helps some of us to realize that when it comes to us. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say you're the block. He is the creator. We just need to listen to him. He knows better. Block by itself ain't no good, is it? It just lays there. It can't do nothing. It ain't. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm giving you an illustration completely on the fly, and I don't like doing that because sometimes I can come up with some stupid stuff. <laughs> Anyways, I like to stick to my notes. <laughs> but I thought maybe that would help somebody. You think about this. God's holiness is His most exalted and, and emphasized attribute, expressing the majesty of His moral nature and character. He is the creator. He is the ruler. When Moses, Job, and Isaiah saw glimpses of God through visions, the overwhelming attribute they each recorded was His holiness. If you don't believe me, go to Isaiah 6. Go to Exodus there. Look at what these men wrote when they they saw God. When they had visions, they talked about uh, Isaiah. All he could talk about was how small he was in comparison to God. And I'm not just talking about size. He talks about how he's a man of unclean lips. He talks about how he's not deserving. And hey, let me tell you something. That would be true of all of us. Yeah. Yeah. But what did they write about? They wrote about God's holiness. And let me tell you something. What's the significance of that? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. The holiness of God should create a sense of awe and a sense of admiration in every single one of us tonight. He's not the man upstairs. He's not my homie. He is God and He deserves respect. I know we can approach His throne boldly, and I know that He is my heavenly Father, but He still has my respect, just like my earthly Father does. Yeah. 
His holiness should draw us to Him and motivate us to holiness ourselves. Psalm chapter 99 verse 9 says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy hill. For the Lord our God is holy. I know we don't like to talk about it anymore, but there's also a verse in the Bible in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 16 that echoes what the book of Leviticus says. And it says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. I know we don't like to talk about that anymore, but God says He's holy and as His children, we ought to strive to be like Him. Our lives are to be patterned after Him and if people are going to see Christ in our lives, if He's going to be glorified in us, then we need to live like Him. We are called His ambassadors. And let me tell you, worldliness does not characterize the life of Christ, but holiness does. Be ye holy, I'm just reminding you tonight, is a command to be obeyed. He's perfect in His holiness. He's perfect in His oneness. But he's also perfect in his righteousness and his justice. We're talking tonight about the fact that we worship a perfect God. God's righteousness and justice are the evidence of his holiness when dealing with men. Righteousness refers to his imposing on mankind righteous laws or demands. Justice refers to the carrying out of the penalties attached to those laws. God's very serious about sin. We just put it that way. Now these doctrines cause us to develop a godly fear and reverence toward God, but at the same time they should encourage us. We can rejoice in knowing tonight that God will not allow unfairness, He will not allow arrogance, He will not allow wickedness to proceed without being dealt with in His own perfect way and in His own perfect time. I mentioned it before that we talk about the coming of the Lord and one of the things that He's going to do when He comes back as He ascended, He's coming back in so like manner, the Bible says, and you know what He's going to do? He's going to right all of the wrongs in this world. He tells us, vengeance is mine, I will repay. We need to remember that. It's not for us to enact that vengeance on this world. God has it all taken care of. One of these days, He's going to create a perfect world. He's going to recreate the heavens and the earth, the Bible says, and He will right all of the wrongs. And that ought to encourage us tonight. Because you know what? People do us wrong, don't we? Don't they? But here's another thing. Have you ever done anybody else wrong? God is holy. That's why we have repentance. That's why we have confession. Hey, I'm telling you, confession and repentance are just as much things for the child of God as they are that lost sinner. Amen? How'd you get saved tonight? Well, if you got saved the Bible way, you repented of your sin and you confessed to God. You know what confession means? It means to agree with God. Literally, it means to say the same thing. So here's the thing. If God says lying's wrong, then do you agree with that or not? God says that cheating is wrong, do you agree with that or not? See, when we repent, we say we confess our sins to the Lord. We repent from those sins, and then we go on giving God the glory for our life. That's what 1 John 1 9 is in the book. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Can I tell you something about 1 John 1 9? In the context of all of that, He's writing to believers. 
I'm, I know that that's applicable in the life of a sinner. And I'm thankful for that. But we need to remember there's not a day that goes by. I hope you don't think any. I hope you don't think any less of me over it. But if you do, I'll think less of you. Okay? Because we're all in the same boat here. There's not a day that goes by that I don't have to confess something to my Savior. You know why? Because I ain't perfect. None of us are. None of us are. And we have to keep, hey, you want to stay right with God? You want to stay in good fellowship with God? You want to keep giving God the glory for your life? You're going to need some confession and repentance in your life. Hey, let me just go ahead and tell you this. There's things we do that's sin that we don't even realize. What are you talking about, preacher? I ain't falling off the rails. I prayed the same. I prayed it yesterday. I prayed it at 2 o'clock this morning. They're the same thing David prayed. God, see if there be any wicked way within me. Help me. Show me those secret sins of the heart. Why do we do things like that? Because I want to be holy as God is holy. It's a command to be obeyed. I'm not saying all that so that you'll think any more of me. I'm not. That's not, And that's not the point. If that's what you're hearing, that's not my point. I'm trying to help you with some things. There's never been a time that God won't show me what's going on. And you know what it does? It brings me to my knees in humble admiration of the fact that He is a holy God. He's perfect. Genesis chapter, well, let me back up, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. But here's the thing, when we think about the perfection of God in His righteousness and in His justice, it should also encourage us to know that our God will only do what is absolutely right all the time. He can't do anything but what is absolutely right. Genesis 18.25 says, Shall not the judge of the earth do right? By the way, that's a, that's a question that many people still ask. And there is an answer to it. The rest of the Bible testifies to the fact that the judge of all the earth always does right. Whatever God does is right. And if you don't think He is right, the trouble is not with God, but the trouble is with you and your thinking. You're thinking wrong. You don't have all the facts. You don't know all the details. If you did, you would know that the judge of all the earth does right. All the time even when we can't understand it. Deuteronomy 32.4 says He is the rock and His work is perfect for all His ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is He. Psalm 145.17 says the Lord is righteous in all His ways and holy in all His works. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says, He hath showed thee, O man, what is that good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse number 5 says, The just Lord is in the midst thereof. He will not do iniquity. Every morning doth He bring His judgment to light. He faileth not, but the unjust knoweth no shame. I'm almost done tonight. I want to give you one more. He is perfect in His faithfulness. Sometimes we use the term immutable to describe the truth that God does not change. Going back to that book, Elemental Theology, Emory Bancroft says, as an infinite being, absolutely independent and eternal, God is above the possibility of change. 
I said it last week in the message on Sunday night. Aren't you glad that everything above our head is below His feet? Yeah, there's a lot of things that goes over this head right here. But no matter what it is, it's all under His feet. You know, the Koran, <clears throat> we talked about Islam in one of our Wednesday night Bible studies not long ago. And you know, the Koran explains to its followers that their God, Allah, is unpredictable and has the capacity to alter His attributes between good and evil. Boy, that's quite the contrast to the Jehovah God of the Bible, isn't it? The Jehovah God of the Bible is always the same. And He's always right. What kind of God? What kind of God deserves to be worshipped that is not consistent? One day He may be good. The next day He may be evil. That's not a God I want to serve tonight, is it you? I'm glad tonight that my God is always good. My God is always perfect. My God is always right. My God is always just. My God never changes. Could you imagine if God changed His mind? Could you imagine? Boy, that's not a God I want to serve. The Bible tells us that God is always the same and He's always right and we can praise our God tonight that He does not change. He's eternally trustworthy and faithfully good. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Amen. You know what He says right after that? We don't say it a whole lot, but the entire verse says this, Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. You ever thought about that? He says, I am the Lord, I change not, semicolon, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. You know what he was saying? The only reason you're not consumed is because I don't change. He don't break His promises. He don't wobble on the shaft. He is always consistent. If He could change His mind... Well, we'd all be in trouble. I mean, that's what it says. Malachi 3.6. What about Hebrews 13.5? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What about Hebrews 13.8? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. What about Psalm 89.1? I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Hey, how about James 1.17? Every good gift and every perfect gift is up from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning. What does that mean, preacher? It means He don't change. 1 Peter 4.19 says, Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. Let's go back to them Legos for a second. My little girl likes putting Legos together. The only problem is when they get frustrating... You know what she does? She just leaves them where they are and she walks off. And at some point in time, I'll come back and I'll get me a little Ziploc bag and I'll put all them in there and I'll put them back in a box and I'll put them in her closet and she never remembers them ever again. Hmm. Ain't you glad God don't do that to us? 
I'm just saying. I'm sure there are times that God looks at us and shakes His head. But He never leaves us. He never leaves us to ourselves. He's never left this world to itself. There's coming a day that He will. There's coming a day His Spirit's going to be taken up from this earth. You know what's going to happen? All hell's going to break loose. I mean, that's the truth. Study it. Revelation. Tribulation. It's going to be a time of trouble that this world has never seen. You know why it's going to be such trouble the world's never seen? Because His Spirit will not be here. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine that. But you think about 1 Peter 4.19. You think about them Legos. And you think about my Matt, my little girl, Madeline, sitting there at the table and getting mad at Legos and just saying, yeah, I'm done and walking off. What's 1 Peter 4.19 says? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God, listen to this, commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. What's that little kid song say? He's still working on me. Let me tell you something. He's never going to stop working on you. He's never going to stop working on me. Why? Because He is a faithful Creator. Hallelujah. We worship a perfect God tonight. He is perfect in His oneness. He is perfect in His holiness. He is perfect in His righteousness. He is perfect in His faithfulness. Can I just say this? You can have faith in God. Let's stand by our heads. Close our eyes tonight. Miss Dawn, come play softly for us. You can have faith in God.